Okay, I don't really know how to start a cold open, but I'm going to try, which is that in the course of researching this episode, um, looking for, and this is a very serious episode, so just like spoilers there, um, I found out that there is actually a direct relationship between Jeffrey Epstein and Post Malone. No. And can anyone guess what that direct relationship is? I can't. No. <laughs> Please. They all love G wagons. Okay. All right. So, um, so the MIT Media Lab was the place where this very famous game was created, which was called Guitar Hero. I remember Guitar Hero. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. 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 It was a game that I wasn't allowed to have because music was haram, and (laughs) any form of music was haram, and like you know, so you know, there's no way that I can listen to ACDC ever. Mm. The um, French version of Guitar Hero, if you played it hard enough, let you draw the, the Prophet Muhammad <laughs> <laughs> through um, sound. And Post Malone's whole like story of becoming was the fact that he learned how to play music via Guitar Hero. Like his introduction to like learning how to make music, how to sample it, um, how he put his music on SoundCloud, all came from this creation that happened in the MIT Media Lab, which was funded by Jeffrey Epstein. <laughs> so, in many ways, we wouldn't have had like contemporary SoundCloud rap music, let alone lo-fi music or chill wave music or fast wave music, without Jeffrey Epstein. It's the drill tweet, but replace drunk driving with Jeffrey Epstein. <laughs> <laughs> Post Malone is actually Jeffrey Epstein's monster. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to a very special two-part episode of Trash Future, that podcast you're listening to right now. Uh, without get, without any further delay, in studio you have Riley, Hussein, Milo, Nate, and calling in, you have Alice. Hello. That's Hi. right. Mm. It is the it's the it's the full compliment today. Mm-hmm. We are we're here. We're locked. We're loaded. We're in your ears, and we're ready to tell you all about that time we got Epstein brain again, like we did last summer. Who's ready? I mean, to be fair, we do love a good Epstein brain. Yeah, excited to see what part of my mind this just destroys and leaves in ruins. Oh, my mm-hmm. my pineal gland is throbbing. <laughs> just never get never get Epstein neck. No. How's your hyoid butt? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, for those of you who don't already know from the whatever we title this uh, two-part series or the show notes, we're talking about the MIT Media Lab perhaps one of the most fascinating academic adjacent institutions ever to exist. So this is, uh, by way of introduction, this is from the 1987 book, The Media Lab, Inventing the Future at MIT. Incidentally, I'm always annoyed when people who aren't Mark Fisher try to take that phrase, uh, who aren't even on the left anyway, by Stuart Brand, who you may know as the guy behind the Whole Earth Catalog, the publication at the very center of the syncretic New Age early Silicon Valley movement in the 1970s. Isn't the Earth Catalog one of Gwyneth Paltrow's ventures? <laughs> so, <laughs> That's where you faced, steam the Earth. <laughs> faced with the cacophony of media drift, the policy of the MIT Media Lab is to seize the design initiative and invent the future, to deliberately turn most broadcast media inside out. Founder Nicholas Negroponte would use computer technology to personalize and deeply humanize absolutely everything in every space, everywhere. So that's the mission statement of sorts of this of this organization. Um, well, that doesn't sound like it could be bad. 
<coughs> no. say, that sounds absolutely quantifiable and reasonable. Mm. Yeah, it sounds like it's just going to make ordering Gugas easier. Mm. I'm excited at the concept of media drift, um, <laughs> which I presume is a, is a remake of the third uh, Fast and the Furious what, what movie. Would, what would that be? He was that was something that was being written in like the late 1980s. So what I, at that point? What even is that? Is that someone being aware of the early internet? Is that it's, someone it's thinking not reading about the National Review anymore? Like. Yeah. <laughs> Or like the American standard, something like that. All of these what? kind of sclerotic, um, wholly political like magazines that are dying off. Well, it's it's. I think that the idea to write something like faced with the cacophony of the media drift, the policy of the media lab is to set the design initiative or seize the design initiative. It's something that you'd write if you kind of realized the same thing Guy Debord did, but were also a dumbass California hippie with a double digit IQ. You were convinced that the cocaine in the bowl on your desk was never going to run out because it's 1988. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's the uh, you're look you're looking at a, a world that is that is completely mediated by images, sort of Guy Debord style, and you've said, hmm, how can we use this to sell Pringles? Guy Debord, brother of Ouija. Yes. Um. So Nicholas Negroponte founded the. <laughs> Riley has zero tolerance for jokes this episode. We're being serious <laughs> investigative yeah. journalists. Damn. No, no, no. So it's this is a, a normal a normal episode. It's just very dense. Oh, right. just I'm Sarah Koenig, and welcome to This American Future. <laughs> if, if you, I was going to say it's 1988, and you're trying to sell Pringles. Clearly, you got to make sexy Pringles man with a huge hog. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's how they modeled the Pringles can. Mm. Exactly. It's, it's a couple of chips and his huge dick. Yeah. Mm. So, uh, Nicholas Negroponte founded this organization, or he co-founded it in 85. And um, if any American listeners find the name Negroponte familiar, uh, Nate pointed this out to me, it's because he was the brother of John Negroponte, who was the U.S. ambassador to Honduras in 1981 to 85, <laughs> Iraq, <laughs> Iraq in 2001 to 2004. <laughs> <laughs> and then was the director of national intelligence for the U.S. from 2005 to 2007. Playing the hits. Oh, we he love to boy. see it. I he's, can't get anything right. He's the <laughs> ultimate goal. And not only is is he the is he the ultimate neocon in terms of his CV, he now sits on the board of a nonprofit called the Leadership Council of Concordia that's based in Manhattan. And the quote what? <laughs> the Leadership Council of Concordia, obviously. I think that's something J.R.R. Tolkien invented. <laughs> which is focused on promoting effective public-private collaboration to create a more prosperous and sustainable future. The Leadership Council of Costa Concordia. Amazing. <laughs> and also, he was one of 50 Republican grandees to sign an open letter calling Donald Trump a reckless threat to our national security. <laughs> How'd that work out for you? <laughs> he, is, he, he is a never-Trump Republican who's presided over, like... Two of the bloodiest na American national adventures in the last half century. Yeah, but imagine the Thanksgiving dinner where, on the one hand, you have this one brother who's like, actually, I didn't know anything about the El Mozote massacre. And on the other hand, it's like, I'm putting screens in everything. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe with my technology, you will know about all the massacres that you allegedly caused. <laughs> what if your toast knew what you were thinking? Yeah. John, what if that? Well, if the toast knew what John Negroponte was thinking, it would probably try to immolate itself. <laughs> what if what if your toast could already tell you what what um uh what Blackwater was going to be called in 6 months time? <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like a, a vision of the Virgin Mary on your toast, but instead it's just like global design initiative solutions. Huh. Oh, well, nothing to see here, LLC. <laughs> <laughs> so 
Uh, Nicholas Negroponte. That's the thing. Like, I think one of the one of my key sort of realizations in doing all this research is that is that just as uh, John Negroponte's entire life has been relentless killing, followed by a a brief bit of pointless PR, Nicholas Negroponte's entire life has been just relentless profit sucking, followed by a pointless little bit of PR. So, also, Negroponte sounds like something an Italian-American would use as a racial slur. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, Negroponte, an architect and designer by training, found it easy to mix with chairmen, directors, and chief executive officers of major corporations and government research offices. Very at, cool. At the, at the university, he's an exotic with the moves of a jet-set executive, but in corporate boardrooms, he's a prestigious professor. So that's, uh, this is from the same book, the, this 87 book. That's a good con, though. Like, being able to be the bridge between these two, like, completely different colleges of bullshit artists mm. and just play the one against the other. That's very smart of him. I, I think I like him better than his absolute psychopath brother. I also just assume that given the time this was written and given the business he was doing, that anywhere he went, there was Jan Hammer music playing and he was wearing like a pattern, fa- you know, a pattern suit coat that looked like something out of Miami Vice. Just open <laughs> yeah, 1985, just the aesthetic. Oh, yeah. It was pure vaporwave. He had an mm. open top Ferrari. Just Absolutely. The future Orwell would have wanted. Snowboarding into the offices of JP Morgan <laughs> on, a, on a trail of pure cocaine. <laughs> And saying, do you guys know about screens? <laughs> I mean, again, do you guys want to surf? That's kind of, that's more or less what he did. Um, Imagine cocaine was something called the internet. Faced with rapidly, well, here's the thing. Much like usual, you kind of <laughs> oh, prefigure no. what I'm going to say. No. No, no, not this early. Not directly, but like in attitude. So this is from the book again. Faced with rapidly changing technology, these corporate boards need to ask... Can you peer 10 years along a trend line that might devour or starve all of your present cash cow products? How can you explore the moonshot technologies where entirely new businesses are born and die while ensuring you yourself don't die? And Mm. that's where John Negroponte and the MIT Media Lab come in. That's amazing, though, because you can just silo off all of your dumb failure. Like, Google does the moonshot stuff in-house, right? Because they can afford to. Mm. But... Everyone else, we have this culture of having to fail 99% of the time and still make ever-increasing profits, so they just outsource it to this guy and his cocaine snowboard. <laughs> Don't forget all of all of his uh, bright people at MIT who he gets to parade around as his, as his exotic geniuses. Oh, of course. So, let's all... So, let's quickly discuss how this works, because right now it just sounds like a really stupid university department. It's actually not. The MIT Media Lab is a research institution that also does teaching, and it's funded to the tune of $75 million a year. Number one, that's quite a bit. But additionally, it gets funding through philanthropy, because the idea is it gets additional funding by tooling its research directly to the needs of the market. And so what it will do is it will say to these companies, look, you can subscribe to the Media Lab by paying a yearly fee. And then you can use anything we come up with any way you see fit. Do you think those so, companies that subscribe to the Media Lab at the, in like January and just never bother? And then by the time it comes to December and the thing's coming up for renewal, they're just like, oh, well, I might use it. 
<laughs> or or, the, or they the- forget to cancel it when the free trial period is yeah. over. <laughs> I, I for one subscribe to the MIT Media Lab because you get a nice tote. Mm. <laughs> or you just you, you just do all your innovation from the thumbnails and preview videos, oh, and then you're now, fine. Hussein, surely they'd give you a diaper bag. I mean, come on, it's <laughs> Jeffrey Epstein's funded project. <laughs> <laughs> I subscribe to the MIT Media Lab for The Sopranos, but now it's finished. I've just got all this shit with screens in it. <laughs> <laughs> so um, and and so what will what will happen is the idea is. We are going to make these, instead of researching like normal academics do by looking into questions, we have companies come in and tell us what they need, and we try to make things that they might want. Um, And their list of subscribers is basically a who's who of the top consulting, banking, and polluting organizations in the entire world. They all subscribe for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars every year. And then so long as they credit the lab, they can use any of the technologies without paying a royalty. So we'll we'll actually link the... um, the list in the show notes. I've uh, I've got it with me. I'll send it to you, mm-hmm. Nate. Um, and so this is what how it was born. We were saying how can we remake the idea of an academic department? What if a de- what if an academic department, but cool, edgy, corporate eighties? Mm. Um, Damn. So the lab today is basically just wank material for staff writers at the Atlantic, uh, the Democratic Party, or the Tony Blair Global Institute for bombing children with laptops. Um, so this Wait, is, is that bombing children using laptops or bombing children who have laptops? Oh, both. It's a STEM yeah. subject and a STEM <laughs> result. Just really drop the laptops onto them and then Fortnite. they have the laptops. <laughs> briefly, they very Ch- briefly have the laptops. Changing the meaning of a hackathon, like will these children be able to hack this drone before it kills them? <laughs> For fuck's sake. <laughs> I was like very like Battle Royale, like if it was rebooted for 2019. Learning by doing. Yep. Learning by doing. Raytheon encouraging girls in the developing world to get into STEM. Exactly. Oh, amazing. Um, so Sorry, you were saying you were saying? I, well, I, I wasn't saying anything. You yeah. were basically saying that it makes you mad when kids in developing countries beat you in Fortnite. That's why you need a Yeah, drone. but that's, that's just like me mad at kids yeah. generally. Well, we have to have a Tony Blair Global Institute for causing lag in the Middle East. <laughs> the Tony Bla- the Tony Blair Institute for GGs. Yeah, hey, we, I mean, we like, drop them you know, substandard you know quality you know peripherals. Just, just a bit of like a side smoke there. Like there, there may not be like a Tony Blair Institute for like um sorting out lag, but the Saudi Ara- like the government of Saudi Arabia has actually invested a ton of money into um gaming like training centers and stadiums because of like they're pissed off at like their gamers are at a disadvantage because of lag. <laughs> it's like that's that. not a joke. That's actually <laughs> this like is, this is just that is actually like a thing. <laughs> it's like that. Remember that game that was really popular on iPhone like nine years ago where you just had to chop vegetables and it's like that, but you're beheading people. So this is from the Atlantic and it talks about the lab today. So depending on where you look, uh, the Atlantic goes. You could easily mistake the famed media lab at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology for a robotics laboratory, or an architecture firm, or a computer programming office, or maybe a hospital. So it's a building. That's yeah. what they're saying. It's, it, but, it's, it, but it's not any of those things, right? Like, they don't do architecture, or much programming, or no. robotics, right? No, they well, they do all of it, but it's a cool building that looks futury. Ah, the okay. MIT Media Hospital. Like, sorry, <laughs> your grandmother is dead, but have you tried this new pillow? We've, we've replaced your grandmother with this screen, so yeah. you know, I don't know why you're upset. Again, real things the Media Lab has done that we'll explore in the bonus episode. Oh, no. <laughs> no, they actually did do something that's like replacing your grandmother with a screen. Oh, no. Amazing. Um, the truth is that it's the world's most interesting and hyper interdisciplinary think tank. And of course, the Hyper-interdisciplinary. Atlantic would. Hyper interdisciplinary. 
Yeah, it's more interdisciplinary than usual. <laughs> Damn. Well, that's because like they invite it's a BDSM think tank. Well, that's because they basically try to invite everyone, like from every genre. So they've had, from my limited like research on this, they've had like obviously computer scientists and like uh, visual artists, but they've also like invited like techno humanists and like DJs and stuff like that. Um, for no other reason but to kind of say that we have we're like a hyper institution or a hyper institution or whatever they're like we want to use. Well, it. it's like if if you are if you are the MIT Media Lab and you're taking money from every major U.S. health insurer, for example, then one of the things you're going to have to do is say, how can we provide better health outcomes to people without, say, nationalizing American healthcare? And so at some point. You run out of ideas and you have to say, I don't know, maybe let's invite Tiesto, see if he has any ideas. <laughs> I mean, when you've got like when you've got like Calvin Harris coming into the office to talk to you about like the future or what technology is, I don't know, bro. I feel like I'm not it's saying like, it, all these yeah. people were on cocaine, but I don't see how you could run this thing without think, being on cocaine. I think it's like a weird genre, like the idea of like diplo at the Oxford Union and stuff, right? I, I saw Kanye no. come speak. No, that, I mean, yeah, there. like Thank you. Very cool. <laughs> it was very cool. He said Faustus the beat should be five thousand dollars. I was like, you know, you're right. He said Faustus should be five thousand dollars. Faustus, Faustus, not the play. <laughs> no. um, so um, he said, I, I I find that Goethe is highly undervalued in this economy, and we should, should pay more. We should pay more. Mm. We should all pay five thousand dollars for a copy of Faustus. So, mm. um. I've done some some more research here, and I actually have pulled some examples of the MIT Media Lab's research groups for our perusal. Oh, good. Um, so a couple of these I've sourced from the Baffler, a other couple from my own research. So let's start. The Information Ecology Group. Their stated mission is the, quote, seamless and pervasive connection between our physical environment and information resources. That's, that's, that's Metal Gear Solid 2. That's not a real thing. <laughs> no, nope, I'm afraid it's real. What do we all guess that they demoed? Um, well, you said information ecology. Do they, like, pick up into the informational trash? Do they, like, uh, clean off a seabird that's no, covered with informational no, oil? Way, way less useful. Uh, it's it's like a, a a giraffe, but it connects to your phone via Bluetooth, and you get to find out what how the giraffe's doing. Less useful, less useful than finding is out it, how a giraffe is doing. Is it oh, no. something that we've already done? Because I feel uh, like it would be. Yes. Uh, Takeover TV, a system that quote heralds a new era in bar patronage. It's the where Weatherspoons <laughs> app. Fucking where, hell! No, not even that good. Where you can use that, you can use your phone to vote to pick a new show. Damn, <laughs> bringing democracy to the people. Remember all that stuff I read earlier about inventing the future, and there, this is the the it could be a hospital robotics laboratory. This is what they've made. They made an app <laughs> that lets you can vote to control a bar oh, television. Thanks to cutting edge research at the MIT Media Lab, I can gerrymander the people in my local bar into <laughs> making them watch Storage Wars. Yeah, you're doing Russian interference on the bar TV election. <laughs> we have managed. To split the vault for Dancing with the Stars. <laughs> Just going into a pub during like, the Six dancing Nations. Dancing on ice with the stars. Yeah, go into a pub during the FA Cup with a bunch of Russian guys and like outvote and get it put onto like, I don't know. Um, Sputnik. Sputnik TV. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so, the George Galloway show on Russia today. I've got another one. I have a few of these. Um, the Open Agriculture Group's stated mission is the creation of, quote, a sustainable food system using an open source ecosystem of technologies that enable and promote transparency, network experimentation, and hyper-local production. 
What do you think they demoed? Hyper-local production. Like, it's like <laughs> in your house. Yes, literally, yes. Do, do, do they want us to eat insects? Um, probably, but not in this case. Huh. What do you think they demoed? I think I know what it is, but I'm not sure. Don't say if you think you know. Is it some dumb home greenhouse shit where like you're man you have to grow your own food? Yes. Nate for the <laughs> Nate Nate for the buzzer. The It's HelloFresh, but the box is made of glass and it's in your garden. Yes. Okay. The personal food computer is a tabletop size. <laughs> the what? <laughs> Is it, is, it, is it a computer that's powered by potatoes, like an Amish oh, computer? It's, it's, it's got a potato battery. It's yeah. a computer it, it, only it, pro, only powered by tubers. No, the idea hmm. is uh, one day a far a, a guy woke up and said, "What if I could download a potato from the internet?" And then you wouldn't crack. download a potato. Click on some fruits. Just amazing. <laughs> Yeah, so he was like, what if I could download a potato for the internet? And so he set out to spend millions and millions and millions of dollars to design the personal food computer. I can't imagine what kind of use Jeffrey Epstein would have for this technology. (laughs) Which is a table... I'm just thinking about putting like a proposal to the MIT Media Lab right now to be like, I want to make BitTorrent, but for vegetables. (laughs) (laughs) Illegally sharing vegetables. slowly 3D printing a big gourd. It's like the black market in the Soviet Union. (laughs) So the personal food computer is a tabletop-sized, hyper-controlled environmental agriculture cultural technology platform that's that a uses plant ro- pot that's called a plant pot <laughs> that mm. uses robotic systems to control and monitor climate energy and plant growth inside a specialized growing chamber with conditions that can be controlled and monitored within the growing chamber to yield various phenotypic expressions such as flavor or nutrition in the plants so the idea is you could like dial up the nutrition and flavor in plants by r- taking r- close control of their um conditions Guy Fieri in a flame shirt takes delivery of his of his personal food <laughs> computer and slowly turns the, the flavor dial up to 11 before looking to yeah. the camera and going, yeah. Can you make now, these potatoes taste of ranch? Here's the thing. <laughs> Guy Fieri won't be getting a, a personal food computer to make his, pers- to make his potatoes taste of ranch. Aww. Can you guess why? Um, Milo. Um, because Guy Fieri has been killed in a tragic accident. We, we have to stop this episode of Trash Shooter to bring you sad news. <laughs> Guy, this Justin, Gu- this is coming to my desk. No, it's, uh, the only problem is, is Guy Fieri won't get to make his ranch potatoes because this thing never even came close to working. So every time they demoed it, they would just go buy food from shops, put it in the computer, and then heavily imply that it, it grew there. I can't say that it grew in there, but I mean, it's in there. Just oh some God. poor research assistant just throwing dirt over the ranch. It's like the MIT equivalent of like sticking a sock down your pants. <laughs> what a terrible grift. No, no, this, it's this, the, this is this it's the Soviet Union. It's the it's Soviet Union. The general it's- is coming, so we're painting the grass green on the army base. <laughs> It's the Soviet Union, but more expensive and worse. Yeah, yeah. And uh, in this case, it at least the at least the grass was painted green. This didn't even do that. It's mm. just it's just an expensive box for a potato. <laughs> Damn. So. I have one more. I have one more. The Fluid Interfaces Group stated mission is... Excuse me? Is the what? It interfaces well, with your fluids. What's wrong with crea- that? Creating systems and interfaces for human cognitive enhancement. What do you think it- they demoed? Shitting and pissing and coming. <laughs> it's, it's the big pull from Minority Report with like the precog ladies in it. Uh, any, anyone else? Wait, what wait, do you wait, think wait. They the demoed? MIT Media Lab did actually develop the uh, the screen technology from the uh, Minority Report. Oh, they did. Fuck, really? Yeah. But not in the cool way. It was a media. It was a movie effect. In real life, you have to use a clicker. Yeah. Oh. Um. 
what you and this group demoed? The attentive you, a pair of glasses that shocks your temple when you stop paying attention to your yes. job. Yes. I remember that horse shit. This is like, fuck, this is an end of season wrap up where it turns out that all of the like individual episode plot lines have been tying together and it's all been the, the dark hand of fucking aperture science behind all of it. Or worse. That's right. Or, or worse, oh a trash feature God. was a project of the MIT Media Lab. <laughs> uh, yeah, we, no, it turns out we were a Harvard experiment. Like Bradley, you've, dark horse, you had this plan the whole time. How well, did uh, now that the secret's been revealed, I, it's time for me to talk like this a lot, you know, because I'm a Harvard guy. We flash back to the original uh, the original genesis of the podcast, Riley taking me for coffee on Broadway Market and proposing we do a leftist a leftist podcast about technology and it's like there's a there's an image from that day from a CCTV camera and it's like computer enhanced and then on a table five hundred meters away is sat Jeffrey Epstein peering <laughs> over the top of a newspaper. Yeah, it, it was an in and out and Gislaine Maxwell was there. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so that's the last one. Okay. No, sorry. I have one more. I have one more. I have la- this last one is how about the accepting massive donations from and giving sweetheart deals to Jeffrey Epstein long after his multiple convictions for sexual assault, leading to the resignation of hotshot director Joy Ito working group. Can anyone guess what that one does? I believe his name stands for jerk off instruction, Ito. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so to understand the uh, the story of Jeffrey Epstein in the Media Lab, we go back to 2012 uh, and the Atlantic's masturbatory article about the Media Lab and new director Joichi Ito. Joichi Ito was a venture capitalist who was also a college dropout, former rave impresario, scuba <laughs> instructor, and cyber activist who has just taken over the lab. What? The f- he sounds like Garth Marenghi. <laughs> <laughs> what is a Dreamweaver, rave impresario? Author, impresario plus actor. <laughs> I don't. I don't understand, but I do know that they love these people because. Again, I think when you when you just have to keep proposing solutions to a problem where we know what the solutions are, right? Like we know that we can make the world a better place. We just also know that we can't have like this ridiculous level of inequality that comes about from this ridiculous like relationship of production. You just have to keep proposing new ideas. So you can say, wait, wait, maybe this one will work. Maybe this one will work. Maybe this one will work. We have this uh, uh, scuba instructor who's hired a bunch of like a pedophile and then a bunch of DJs to come in and solve healthcare. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> <laughs> well, what this, can, this what all makes sense to Elon Musk. Yeah, yeah, scuba diver, pedophile, it all makes sense. <laughs> 500 meters away on Broadway Market, us having coffee. Jeffrey F.T. looks over his paper. Elon Musk looks through a screen. Yes, it's all falling into place. <laughs> I just like the idea that this had come at a slightly different time in Joy Ito's life, and he had started the potato box while he was a rave impresario. Mm. Yeah, this is the idea you have in a smoking area. We don't, we don't like shouting wait, wait, over wait, wait. the strains of the Happy Mondays at or the Hacienda you... Project, going like, "Hey, <laughs> we know like when you have a job." You ever inter- thought of a potato? You know when you have a job interview and um, no, like the you know yeah, <laughs> um, wait, and you're asked like you know what you know, give me like you know some ideas for what you have for this job, and you you've not come prepared, so you just anything that's off the bullshit and i can just imagine like joy say just being like um what about a laptop that grows 
potatoes. <laughs> hey. And they're just like, whoa, shit. Didn't uh, think about that. What? And he's like really sleepy because he was just at a rave being an episode. And he's like, man, I wish I had glasses he's that would keep me awake. still got the scuba gear on. <laughs> well, I, mean, I, I keep yeah. thinking about this in the, in the context of that initial article that was written in the late 80s. And so I imagine every single person that was a decision maker at the Media Lab is all, they all talk like Keanu Reeves. There's like, Whoa, I know Kung Fu. Yes. Or something to that effect. They're all they had Silicon this, Valley moron. They had this like really just I was just remember that they had this like really bizarre idea of you know like the robot dogs that were really popular. Oh yeah. Oh, oh, iBots. Ibo. Yeah. Ibos like whatever, the eye dogs yeah. and stuff. Yeah. So there was an idea of that like you would have in, like an alarm clock that operated like one of those robot dogs where like before like ten minutes before the alarm is supposed to go off, the dog the, the it would it would go off your like, you know, say your uh, bedside table and it would hide somewhere in the house. And in order for you to turn that alarm off, you would have to go find where this kind of alarm dog had hidden itself. $75 million a year. Yeah. And it gave us this. Did you know that that one gift of the year in 2011? <laughs> what company wanted what? that? Yeah, the clocky. It won gift of the year in 2011. <laughs> clocky. Yeah. It's, it's an, a I, clock that runs away from yes. you as a metaphor for how you're wasting your entire life. <laughs> it, it was an MIT Media Lab project. It won, it won the 2011 Gift of the Year Award. This is, this is how we're spending run the money. by morons. What the fuck? <laughs> how so, did how did you end up on Jeffrey Epstein's plane? Well, I was chasing this clock. <laughs> it led me straight on there. Yeah, but so, imagine if you are on his plane and everybody else there is a hedge fund guy or is a former president, not naming names, or like something like that. President, not yeah, naming names. And, and you're like, hey, what did you do? Uh, uh, well, I, I uh, alarm clocks. <laughs> alarm clock, but it runs away from you. Yeah. Oh, oh, me? I'm a scuba diving instructor and rave impresario. <laughs> <laughs> to understand this story, so we have to go back to Joy Ito. Um, he said, we're going to be thinking about how we innovate, how we work together, how the space is laid out. Incidentally, Joy Ito, one of the things he did was he made sure that the new building was entirely made of glass. There's no privacy anywhere except presumably in the toilets. I love being fried to death by the sun in the name of <laughs> working together. It just makes you work harder. Yeah, you're being co- just gently cooked yeah. and you never have a moment to yourself. But that's the kind then- of thing that makes the Atlantic say that you look like a hospital and a robotics lab and a the, the other things uh, he says I want to focus and also like when General Electric comes in they need to see everyone doing a lot of imaginatizing and ingenu- ingenuitating and imagineering they need exactly. to see all that stuff they, they need to know where their money's going they need to see you in um, the research group which is called Lifelong Kindergarten playing with blocks again one that exists it they would- have a research group called Lifelong Kindergarten this- that's every research group <laughs> <laughs> this would not be like entirely out of the ballpark if they had just decided, oh yeah, we're going to make Oompa Loompas real and hire them. <laughs> this makes this makes so much more sense if you imagine all of these ideas being said in a toddler's voice as they're explaining to their mum the cool idea they had. Uh, well, uh, we're going to build, it's like, um, it's like a compu- computator. It's a computer, but inside is potatoes because sometimes when you use the, the com- c- computer, the computer you, you get hungry and there's no there's no potatoes so we made like a, it's like a computer but it's potatoes <laughs> I, mean, I, I too hate it when my kindergartner is donald trump yeah. <laughs> folks, folks, it's a computer we're making the best but we're making <laughs> inside, the computer. inside inside folks it's not a computer 
It's potatoes. No I'm just, one thought of this. I'm just struck by the idea of Joy Issa wearing a big purple top hat and issuing golden tickets to see the media lab. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, you, you, you <laughs> I can thought she was going to be a pimp for a second. <laughs> <laughs> you can legitimately well. envision them deciding that they need a chocolate river for some reason. <laughs> yeah, but there'll be a chocolate river. No, that is the fluid dynamics research working group. I just imagine Jeffrey Epstein's like, well, if any children get stuck in that tube, I can get kicked take care of him for you. Jeffrey Michael Jeffrey Michael Jackson. <laughs> so, yeah, Jeffrey Epstein speaks with Michael Jackson voice at this point. It's a pedophile accent. Mm. Well, I mean, there's that or you can also be like, I, I, I'm trying to think what else he would sound like. If he doesn't sound like Michael Jackson, then you also have to imagine him with his famous you know, symposium dinner line. So what does that have to do with pussy? No, he just sounds like a New Yorker. I'm walking here. Hey, what's okay. this got to do with pussy? Oh, I'm flying over here. Oh, I'm imagineering oh, over what do, here. What do you think this is? National waters? Get out of the way, you gavon. <laughs> so, um, the, wait, hang on. The MIT Media Lab basically is Wobistics. Yes, it is Wobistics, the yeah. fake company that Chris Moltisanti tries to pump and dump in The Sopranos. <laughs> Meanwhile, so, at Jeffrey Epstein's hedge fund, we're pushing Wobistics. So, yeah, it's, it's whole thing. Literally, yes, his whole thing was just pushing Wobistics. They're just pushing Wobistics on the American economy. So, Ito says that he wants to focus on how we can enhance positive serendipity what? throughout the uh, media what the lab. What fuck does that even mean? It's well, that's a why terrible rom-com from the, uh, from the late 90s. That's why All the yeah. Walls Are Glass is so anyone can walk into any research group and just start ingenuitizing. So, and you can always see Tiesto from every angle, really so you can invent it better. I always thought MIT was like this top-tier engineering school, and apparently it's just surfers on Quaaludes. <laughs> it's the so, Quaaludes panopticon. So, Wait, hang on. MIT Romney. Just an idea for a bit. Good. I, I don't know say where that, that's going. But. The, the MIDS Media Lab, and they're developing good weed that's not too strong. <laughs> so, the Media Lab, this is back to the Atlantic's article from 2007 and what uh, Ito's theory of it is, is different from other departments because it runs in corporate partnership and philanthropist-directed innovation. Okay. The theory is, we'll have no trouble marketing whatever it is we make because everything is made by combining this great interdisciplinary group with all of our corporate members. That, that, They've that, got these great... Sorry, go ahead. But that that's the main concern of a research lab is having trouble marketing what you make. Like Yeah. Shouldn't it be useful? Maybe. Well, no, well, because the market tells you if it's useful, but then if all your professors are doing grievance studies, then none of that's marketable. Ah, uh, okay. Or that for makes example, sense. remember rem- remember when um insulin was created? That was sold for only a dollar, but if this was it created in the media lab, then it could have mm. been sold for quite a bit more. What well, we're Riley, saying what is, you don't realize is they have to tailor individual batches of insulin for all the 150 genders, <laughs> and there's too damn many of them now, and that's why it's expensive. Yeah. Look, the insulin only costs a dollar to make, but it actually costs a hundred dollars to put it in a um, insulin for Becky bottle, like the like Coca Cola has. Insulin could have been like there's like an insulin for girls product. Ten times more expensive. Insulin could have been a much more successful product, like the Furby. That made way more money than insulin. Men's insulin, so no one thinks you're gay. Men's insulin, one hundred percent pussy free. It's it's, it's insulin, but the commercial is when you put it in, just a bunch of women start chasing you. (laughs) I know. (laughs) The box has like that steel tread pattern on it. His blood sugar is so. Regulated. Injecting a long thing inside you—I don't know, man. It seems pretty. That, <laughs> to me, that sad. sounds pretty like so. You know, pretty, um, pretty. Our sauce. corporate members have great ideas. Ito said, "I want these people not just to be giving their money, but to feel like they're part of the team, and that also includes philanthropic donors." 
But mm, none remember. of them have ever had great ideas. That's what they need research institutes for. They're well, like, they, there's, there's going to be some guy from General Motors sitting there going, Duh, what if we made the cars do, do better? <laughs> what, That's what if a great idea. It's fantastic. Gay. Wait, the MIT Media Lab just exists to design the Homer. <laughs> I mean, yes. I mean, literally, yes. <laughs> so, I, I just want to say that the ho- like I was watching that scene the other day. So was I. Homer was not. It's not a bad car. Yeah, it was the car for the average man. Right. Mm. It is not a bad car. The bubble gum, the bubble gum like dispenser, mm. pretty good, pretty useful. The right? Cucaracha, a classic song. Right. Mm. You know, we're reviving I mean, the Homer, the official car of TF. He got, I don't like, think he that's got, true. Like, I so- think the official car of TF is the one from Crazy Vaclav's House of Automobiles that no longer exists. <laughs> put it Fine. in H. Put it in H. We're all putting it in H. Well, let's put it in H and then fast forward back to 2019. So after it emerged that Jeffrey Epstein was convicted in, for pedophilia in like 2000, in the 2007, 10, whenever, Ido and other lab employees then took a lot of steps to keep Epstein's name from being associated with the millions of dollars of donations they continued to allow him to make. So he would use his influence to meet with faculty members, uh, give input on projects, and to entice him to contribute further. And he was always accompanied by two young models that female Media Lab staffers would engage in conversation on the off chance that they were being like held there. So Jeffrey Ooh, Epstein being very dark. regular. Like, very dark. I'm just imagining Jeffrey Epstein's, like, presumably adult mo- models that he brought with him just yes, being presume- like... If you're Jeffrey Epstein, you're going to presume that they're adults. Yeah, that, that is the standard, is, like, presumably adult. But again, you, you, I think you don't understand how much impunity being a billionaire gives you. So, one of the things I kind of want to pause here with, right? Why do companies and billionaires all put so much money into this thing if it just pushes out dog shit? Um, why? It's going to be something really sinister, isn't it? They're going to oh, have no, I don't know. an I'm Operation I mean, Gladio stay behind working group. I mean, I'm, I mean, look, I'm going to I'm going to say this because, like, I think that even though the MIT Media Lab is sort of bizarre in upon itself, like it's not the only institute that kind of operates this way, both in the US and like here as well. Like what I was surprised about, obviously, is that am I, you know, for a Media Lab, it doesn't really do a lot of like media projects per yeah. se. Um, even though, like, fun fact, like Jonah Peretti, who is a CEO of BuzzFeed, um, got his training from the MIT Media Lab. So he came up with like the whole notions of like super virality and stuff ah. in that place. Wait, um, he, in- he invented HIV? Yes. Yeah, that's what I'm asking. <laughs> when people that's, were saying what... that it was made in a lab by the US government, this is what they meant. <laughs> yeah, they envisioned, like, you know, these kind of scary, like, bald headed, sunglass like people, but it's actually just, like, one yeah. very nerdy guy so in wait, an oversized sweater. What, what, but so, what? So he learned something that made BuzzFeed sort of successful, but BuzzFeed is constantly saying that it's always losing money. Well, yeah, well, just like every other media company, right? So it's, it's, I, I, I'm trying to find, like, what that keeps puzzling me is that I keep trying to find why capital keeps putting so much money into this thing. Why? Why? Or it's, I guess it's the same question that these failures keep just being. We can't get rid of them. I we have can't an get rid of these tech companies that never go anywhere. We can't get rid of this. Alice, what's your answer? My answer is like. We talked about Necroponta going back and forth between like being an MIT guy at companies and then being a company guy at MIT. 
to my mind, that's all it is, right? Is that these are all, in a very real sense, con artists. And they're all playing short cons off each other in a big circle. And that's kind of like, that's the fucking mitochondrial activity of late capitalism, is all of these idiots trying to defraud each other. Why don't you give me some money for my mm. potato box that doesn't work? Yeah, to but it's fund also a company that doesn't make I, any money to I have yeah. I have a kind of theory on it which is more about which is more about like media itself because the way that the MIT the way that these types of institutes work is also like as the bullshit has kind of dominated um so is the most bullshit industry in the world which is public relations right so like you know I get emails from PR companies all the time which are like either promoting some form of like weird crypto shit or some sort of like weird invention that is bizarre, but is never, you know, doesn't actually serve like any like real purpose. Like, you know, as kind of Christmas, you know, for PR people is coming, you know, I'm seeing things about like, you know, you know, I can't even, I can't even like come up on the top of my head. The alarm clock that runs away from you. Basically, snaps the hyoid bone to your enemies. Yeah, no, that's a good invention. I would buy that. Wait, All of it. Uh, an alarm clock that like runs away from you or like a light bulb that's like connected to Bluetooth for some reason. And I think a lot of this comes down to the fact that like with MIT Media Lab, like they really liked coming up with these things that could get loads of press attention, right? They Mm. liked the idea that they could come up with like a weird kind of potato powered computer on the basis that like, oh, this is like a self-sustaining ecosystem that can like provide food for the future. Yeah. We Point see of that order, a lot with it was like, actually a computer powered potato. <laughs> <laughs> we see that a lot with like vegan Which pro- is weirder. <laughs> we see that a lot with like vegan produ- like food production now, right? Like the idea that since mm. kind of, you know, as kind of veganism has become more popular, the tech sector have been coming in and like looking at ways in which they can build like self-sustaining, you know, uh vegan like food production and stuff like that and like MIT media um, you know, you were talking ab- earlier about like the Atlantic and how the Atlantic was just like uh, writing endless amounts of kind of praise yeah, about PR for them, basically. Right, and yeah. I and I looked back when I was like researching for this episode, like I was looking back at like 2005 to 2013, and almost all the press comes from like two places: it comes from Business Insider and it comes from the Atlantic. Right, so like even though this is bullshit, and even though there, you know, even though like as we know of anything of use, like it's a, it's a very long, slow burn process where you accept that there's failures, right? Um, at a time when PR agencies and PR companies are looking for publicity, like these types of institutions, they actually want the failures to happen. They would rather that you'd have like some bullshit, like technology, but it has like a really interesting or like bizarre strap line. Yeah. Um, it, fe- it basically feeds into this really weird regurgitating ecosystem. Yeah, I think I'm with saying. the MIT Media Lab, it's one of those things where, like, if you're trying to develop cutting edge technology, you expect there to be things which are like boondoggles or which fail. But yeah, what the you don't expect. Thing. Yeah, but what you don't expect is for there to be things which, to like any person with any degree of common sense, were obviously never going to work and are obviously just like the idea of like a toddler on LSD. Like, there's no, like, imagine if you put your car in for repairs and they're like, oh yeah, we're not really sure what's wrong with your car, but like, leave it with us. And then you come back and, they're, and then they're like, well, we've not been able to fix it yet, but we have been trying things. You're like, what have you tried? And it's like, well, we all stood around it and just came on it. 
<laughs> they're like, well, why would you do that? They were like, I don't know. We're just, you know, we're free thinking. Yeah, we, we, we move forward. fast. We break things. Yeah. Uh, there's a bunch of potatoes growing in the boot now. <laughs> yeah, that was from our like fluid coalescence I mean, department. I mean, that's really just like pip my ride, right? So I, mm. I, I have my my theory about <laughs> this. My, ride. my my theory about this also is it's kind of like Hussein's. It's that this is basically marketing. Um, but it's also kind of like Alice's because this is everyone marketing to each other all the time. Mm. And it's, it's a pyramid when, scheme. Yeah, it's a pyramid scheme. When Even you though have, the companies are worthless, they know that some idiot will pay more for it than they've just paid for it. So in a way, it is a good investment. So because it's, like, it's and the, and it doesn't, and all it just so happens that they're inventing like a mood ring that connects to the internet. Like it's it's pointless tchotchkes, whether they're, they're the dumbass ideas or the yeah the tchotchkes. Um, but also the the dark side of it as well is that it allows all of these either just giant pools of capital or like um, parasitic billionaires to just continually launder their reputations. You know what it so, is? You know what it is? What? It's running a money laundering outfit through the back of the leftorium. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, back to Epstein. Um, but Epstein didn't just make donations. So this is from The New Yorker. He directed them as well. So in the course of 2014 and 15, remember those years, people, mm. according to emails and sources, we see an ambitious plan hatched by Ito and Epstein together to obtain contributions from Bill Gates and Leon Black. And one message to Ito, by the way, uh, all of us are happy. If any of us die, it wasn't suicide. Yeah. Every time I talk about Leon Our Black, I always... bones are intact. Mm -hmm. I have no intention on kneeling. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, in one message to Ito, Epstein wrote, Gates would like a write-up on... on uh, our one science program for Tuesday next week. Yeah, but he probably wrote it with a bunch of fucked up capital letters and stuff because they <laughs> leaked his emails and the dude could not write for shit. No, he couldn't. He had extremely like your dad typing a text message yeah. energy. Or, or, or just he was like a very random scene guy. It was almost <laughs> as though he was typing with one hand. No. Um, <laughs> no. So, <laughs> so, um, and so... The MIT fundraising uh, director added, if Jeffrey tells you that Leon or Bill would like a little love from MIT, we can arrange that as well. <laughs> right? So it's just... What a turn of Alice, phrase. earlier, you were saying that this is like the Operation Gladio research group. Yes. It, and it's, it's all true. Fucking propaganda <laughs> duo, but it invents like a dipping bird. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, it's like we've, we have connected like the... Um, and this is where it gets to alter real Operation Gladio shit. Although the lab ultimately secured the $7.5 million from Gates and Black, Epstein and Ito's fundraising plan failed to reach the still larger scale than they initially hoped. Epstein had suggested that donations from Gates and Black could be matched by the John Templeton Foundation, which funds projects at the intersection of faith and science, but Ayo. never materialized. You have to have a lot of faith to be doing science like that, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> like, Je Jeffrey Epstein got money from Bill Gates and Leon Black yeah, to give and, it to and, a and rave then, impresario so that yeah. he could do it to find God! And then still not enough money, so he wanted to, like, try and get some more out of the Wallet Inspector Foundation for dubious ideas. That was what? that was what the future of the Lolita Express was going to be. Like, what the hell could they have been researching? What the he hell was did going, Bill Gates... It, they wanted right, to I'll go to, to fly to heaven and fuck God, and that's all there is to it. That's what it is. Wait, hang on. You can't when prove you, th me this wrong. Is, 
This is this is like this is the Praxis video, but just for research. It's like, uh, yeah, we built a we built like a Teletubby, but the screen in the belly it like plays a video about what if a computer was a potato. That's science. Somehow that's God. Because yeah, it's to like, find God, sorry, what, yeah. Like, what the fuck were they? Tr- what project were they trying to fund? The, These the billionaires international this, waters is happening. This scuba diver <laughs> getting money together from this institution that's like the Catholic Church's research arm. Wait, do you think that Jeffrey Epstein and Co. actually murdered God because he knew too? They heard that he knew about what they'd been up to. God, yeah, they had God, turns turns out God killed himself in jail. <laughs> Talking deal with force, bitch. This is even dumber. But do you think that Jeffrey Epstein and Co. embezzled money from this shit? I mean, because I so don't much think of it they needed to. Like, like, I don't think they needed oh, yeah. to. I think he had money that generated money from extorting stuff already. I think this it's was just so a way of buying legitimacy. These things, these doodads and such that they were researching, none of them amounted to anything. And so it's just so strange that, uh, I don't know, that it would go on this long and nobody was like, wow, this is fucking weird. But I mean, I, I guess the elite world in which, you know, a, a billionaire pedophile who has symposiums about pussy uh, <laughs> can also own a research department at a huge, extremely yeah, well that, that's exclusive it. institution. That's, that's the billionaires that's how he pussy can get, symposiums. That's how he can get the research symposium about pussy, is what? by, like, this fucking tracksuit-clad moron being like, yeah, well, actually, I, I, I fund all of this shit at MIT, so you have mm. to have conversations with me, even though you're ostensibly a smart guy, and I can say, well, what does that have to do with pussy? I mean, to be fair, the original symposium about pussy was, of course, Plato's symposium. <laughs> and very little has changed. That was really a symposium about boy pussy. It, well, I was going to say- And yeah, about let, regular pussy. Well, let's, just, let's just identify that. But Riley, Riley complains if, if Milo makes the Bernie Sanders joke, but really, Jeffrey Epstein had dinner parties with elites, with like thinkers and great academics, and he literally asked them about, first about gravity, and then was like, but what does it have to do with pussy? Yeah. So- it all sounds like a very, very normal person. Steven Pinker no, had to great. be like, oh, well. Um. No, that's, that's Steven Pinkerson. Steven Pinkerson. <laughs> Jordan Peterson. Yeah, so, like, it corrupts you. It I wanna, takes your energy. But I what go, does cleaning your room really mean? I want to go back to Joy Ito. So Joy Ito is also a massive performative liberal. So here he is in Wired saying some nonsensical horseshit about how communication strategies evolve over time like organisms. The same tools that fueled Trump and hashtag Gamergate also gave the Parkland teens the tools they needed to inspire students across the country to walk out in protest over lax gun regulations. That sustains my hope. And I see the Me Too movement also using the same new versions uh, of these methods to begin a long path to ending centuries of patriarchal power. A sentence that he wrote only a couple of years after he took an anonymous meeting with convicted pedophile Jeffrey Epstein to hatch a plan to get Bill Gates to pay them to find God. So I'm just going to point something mm. out here. Adam Curtis voice. <laughs> so, do, you know, do you know what? Do you know who that sounds like? Who? Justin Trudeau. And you know uh, what? Yes. You know what? We found out of old <laughs> Justin, a man adi- who a man who just ke- is addicted to sniffing shoe polish and keeps putting his face too far into the jar. <laughs> he just he has a passion for costume. He just he has he's a penchant for the theatrical. Mm. Yeah, so I you had know. no reason to believe that my good friend from Quebec, Jean Luc du MIT Media Lab, <laughs> was involved in anything untoward. Oh no, I'm sure that Justin Trudeau did blackface on three separate occasions because he kept losing, like 
trivial bets with a friend of his from Quebec. There was with his Dutch friend. There was a girl he really liked who had a kink because she could only get turned on by men who looked like Jafar from Aladdin. So, we are, <laughs> nevertheless, um, Joy Ito, of course, resigned his position uh, and has left and F. I'm sure is going to just have to make do with a lucrative consulting job somewhere. He's, he's going um, back to scuba instructor. <laughs> He's going to go back to be. He's going back to the rave. Look, if you have an island <laughs> right there, I mean. But what was, wait, hang on. Imagining a Jason Statham movie ten years from now, where like there's a new. They need. They need him to come out of retirement because the <laughs> MIT Media Lab has forgotten how to develop a Teletubby that tells you who God is, yeah. and they go up to him and he's on some Thai island teaching yeah. kids to scuba dive, and then I'm they're out like, of "The game." We need you. He's like, listen, I'm retired. I don't do that anymore. So I've developed my last doohickey. <laughs> so what would, ge- what would genius founder of the Media Lab, Nicholas Negroponte, say about this whole snafu? Nicholas Negroponte made the following comment regarding Epstein and his association with the Media Lab in a recent crisis meeting of the, of the institution. Does it begin, who oh boy? It does not. <laughs> Mistakes were op- made. It begins with the opposite of anyone saying who boy or mistakes were made. Mm. If you wind back the clock, I'd still say you should take the money. If you wind <laughs> back the clock, it runs away from you. <laughs> uh, after, after he said, if you wind back the clock, I would still say take the money. He went on a bizarre tirade about he, a rich white man, had used that privilege to get to know 80% of the world's billionaires on a first name basis. He went on to say that, the t- that he and Jeffrey Epstein frequently rode in Epstein's private jet where they spoke passionately, passionately about science. <laughs> it was through these interactions, he said, that Negroponte warmed to and began to trust Epstein. No, Never describe you say a trip on Jeffrey Epstein's jet as passionate. <laughs> Never do that. <laughs> because, he continued, that is what allowed the Media Lab to be the only place at MIT that could afford to charge no tuition, pay people full salaries, and allow researchers to also keep the like, rights to their intellectual property. <laughs> like so, the clock that runs away! <laughs> so he confidently and enthusiastically recommended to Joy Ito that he take Epstein's money a decade ago and keep doing it no matter what. That's <laughs> fucking... You know what this is, actually? This is... No. No matter the what. only thing in favor of Joy Ito morally is that he asked, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. he was- Jeffrey Epstein, several years after he was convicted, Joy Ito was still, like, uh, I don't know, sus enough about it to be like, hey, should I take this money from this convicted pedophile? Yeah, Nicholas Necroponte was like, yes, because that's the only way an educational institution mm-hmm. can support the mm-hmm. people who are researchers and students at it. Like, yeah, sure, we mm. might have taken money from this criminal who might have exploited women and children across the world. And sure, it might not have led to any research gains. But in the grand scheme of things, if we hadn't done it, nobody would be able to answer the question that I find truly important, which is, what does any of this have to do with pussy? We live in society. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just coming out wearing joker makeup. Yeah, they're all, they all are. But, but still, I, like, we, right? we live in a research society. Like his answer to this was how do like how do you think all of you fuckers got paid and yeah. Yeah, he's not wrong he's not wrong but equally that brings up like yeah are we we are now in a scenario where there are if you are in a public school it's in like the end of Saving Private Ryan because <laughs> <laughs> Negroponte is the Matt Diz is like Private Ryan all those years later and he's standing in the ceremony in France but the and there's all the gravestones and he just he looks at the little running away clock in his hand and he goes I hope it was worth it <laughs> but if you think about this, like it's stu- like school funding in America is now to the point where 
like high school math teachers have to buy graphing calculators like TI-88s, the expensive ones, mm. for their students. And you can't not because the courses are designed around them. And here, they're saying, look, the only way we can fund research is if we're like best friends with this convicted pedophile. Well, I'm sure that Jeffrey Epstein would have loved to have funded some public schools. <laughs> I guess the thing about it is, is that so much of this stuff is, I don't know, comical and insane, but a lot of it is also pretty much in line with how other ins- research institutions operate. And so in a way, this is just like a you know Hall of Mirrors clown house version yeah, what all of this sort of shit is with yeah. the way in which they they seek out billionaire philanthropists Absolutely. to fund well, things and do isn't projects. Wrong. He's he's just the only one there who actually gets what they're doing. Like if anyone was in that room was stupid enough to believe him, uh, that I mean was stupid enough to like kid themselves that the media lab or any other uh, think tank like it wasn't taking money from just people doing the worst eyes wide shut stuff. You know th- that's not really on him. So I mm. like. I mean, there was a movie years ago with Gene Hackman, and I can't remember what it was called. I never saw it, but I do remember the preview, like the trailer. And there was this whole thing about how like he was Gene Hackman was this rogue doctor who was running this cancer treatment lab, but they were doing like unauthorized experiments on humans, like on homeless people. And in the preview, he was like, "Well, if you could cure cancer, but you had to kill one person, wouldn't that make it worth it?" And I was thinking about my the exact same arguments, like, "Well, if you had to take billionaire child sex money, but you managed to make a clock that runs away, <laughs> isn't that worth it?" That's like the and also venom, right? And don't forget, I don't gu- the and don't the forget Guitar Hero. They made Guitar mm-hmm. Hero as well. To be fair, the clock that runs away, I think, is a great invention. It's extremely. We live in a society. Yeah. Like <laughs> yeah. if Dali was alive today, he would have invented that clock. Just a that is the clock, clock that, that runs away. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's it's great as an art department. I a guess metaphor but, for our human condition. But not, mm. It's great as a as a didactic uh, conceptual art department, but not much yeah. else. So uh, Negroponte's comments clearly stunned some of his listeners. A woman in the front row began crying, and Kate Darling, a research scientist at the media lab shouted nicholas shut up we've been cleaning up your messes for the last eight years <laughs> yeah but she's mad oh, because he's he's said like quiet quiet like loud. yeah who is who is this that's outside my house yelling <laughs> cleaning up your messes for the last eight years yeah. fuck off i, I will never true. Off. i mean that I in a very it's... literal sense in that he probably does like shit himself mm-hmm. and they have all to over the up. like yeah. glass walls and everything yeah. <laughs> so it's yeah because he's just, he, yeah because he's an, an old person who yeah. spent his entire but, youth just on like mind-bending drugs not yeah, in the cool way He's he's in just he's stopping way. the gravy the train. Way. Like, uh, do, do you think that if they hadn't taken money from Epstein, that Leon Black say was yeah, gonna mm. like was gonna be an upstanding like beacon of moral virtues, mm. or for that matter, you know, um, IBM. Mm-hmm. You know, the, like the company, the company that helped Hitler do the, the Holocaust more efficiently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you can't take a research project and do like a research initiative with I don't know some Swiss bank called Gold Teeth Storage LLC, and then say, <laughs> "Oh, well, this this one guy." We have no idea where this gold came like, from. Incorporated. Is, it's it's. I think I agree with you, Alice. They're all bad. It's just Epstein. Epstein. Epstein is loud. He's yeah, loudly he's the loud. He's the loud. All of the other ones were smoking mids. Yes. But the MIT Media Lab just had yeah. to smoke that loud. So, so, and so now Swiss, every- Swiss banks, Reggie. 
Um, yeah, they they got yeah. too high, and now everyone can see what they, what it is that they did. Well, because here's the thing. Now I might be about to cancel myself here, but with the, with the whole with the whole like taking Epstein's money thing, I feel like what's really bad about taking Epstein's money is going around and saying, "Oh, this great guy Jeffrey Epstein gave us <laughs> MIT all this money. You should trust this guy." But if you're not doing that, there's an extent to which I'm like, I mean, obviously this lab never made anything <laughs> useful. But let's say they were like curing cancer or some shit. I'd be like, "Yeah, fucking take the cunt's money. Don't give him any credit." It, whatever like at least he's not spending it on fucking kids there's like a part of me that thinks that i sort of understand the more like nuanced arguments about not taking it but it also sometimes feels a bit like morally high-handed if like you could do something useful with it which in this case they weren't but like <laughs> yeah, yeah. This, 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 this absolutely feels like it, you could make a compelling argument if any one of these things did something with any utility but this is a this is basically the joke about like the u.s military is like how do we stop this volcano from erupting let's dump suitcases full of cash in it. Yeah, well, yeah. We haven't stopped the volcano yet. No, Here, keep trying. No, you're sort of making the same argument that Harvard professor Larry Lessig makes when he says mm. that accepting Epstein's money is okay. So he says, well, I think that universities should not be the launderers of reputation, and I think that they should not accept blood money. I believe that if they are going to accept blood money or the money of criminals... <laughs> Just that sentence. <laughs> That's an incredible sentence. Uh, they should only ever accept that money anonymously. At least a university would... Um, uh, would be able to do what they do while avoiding the mechanism th- uh, through which a great wrong is forgiven. But the problem is, and this is my response to you, or uh, Milo, or is that people could just fucking pay taxes. Yeah, we, we we could, for instance, change like the system of how universities are funded. Yeah, but I mean, just just on the basis of this, right? Like. I think you can say, oh, well, it just do it anonymously, so it wouldn't um, launder his reputation. But the problem is it did. It, it Even after he was convicted, a convicted pedophile, his association with higher academia meant that all of these... Yeah, his public reputation wasn't laundered, but his private reputation among other elites was completely yeah, well, fine. Well, well, this what is was what that line him. that Joy Ito said? If, um, if, if Leon Black uh, needs some love from MIT, right? Like. Yeah. It's like it's a way of it's it's just letting these people buy favors from institutions and those institutions might not be public favors, but it just means that he gets to do more of what he wants to do. I mean, I'm not saying that we should only take money from good billionaires. I mean, obviously, there no, be because any. there are none. It's just right. that this is a particularly mm. egregious example. Yeah. I think I'm not even I'm not even sure if if truly it, I mean obviously like Jeffrey Epstein is just like an insane aberration that like the modern world I don't has think produced. He is an aberration. But no, but what I'm saying is like in the sense that like I think actually probably the majority of billionaires have ruined more lives than Jeffrey Epstein. That's it's just that Jeffrey true. Epstein did yeah. it in a way that's like particularly noticeable and particularly because of the current climate of like people rightly saying like hey we should pay more attention to like sexual assault and stuff. It like it really touches a lot of the right nerves at the right time. But I mean, I'm sure there's like plenty of like billionaires you've never heard of who have just like murdered yeah, millions of kids in Africa through and, like shit that they've done. It's the personal involvement, right? It's it's his island. It's all of these yeah. people are talking about meeting him. If if my company gives some coal miner black lung or whatever, I never laid a hand on him, right? Mm. And it's I think sort of bringing this all together. It's that institutions like the Media Lab. We say what's that? What's this for? And this is sort of by way of wrapping up. What they, this is what they do. They're marketing. They're PR. They're just mm. there selling the idea that the present arrangements of things is great. And it's great because we have an app that lets you contr- vote on what we have on the, right. on the TV in the bar. 
It's just an advertisement for everything being great as it is, because if it wasn't this way, if we didn't have these billionaires and these companies funding all of these you know, geniuses getting together, then we wouldn't have the great things they make. But let's also go back to the lab's goal, as discussed in the 1985 book, to use computer technology to personalize and deeply humanize absolutely everything in every space, everywhere. We, we joke I feel about, very humanized we by joke the MIT about, Media Lab. We joke about how they're... Um, they were a total failure because in every individual project they undertook, except Guitar Hero and Amazon E-Ink for the Kindle, they have been a complete failure. They're laughable. And yet... I can't help but notice that we live in the world that Negroponte foresaw. You know, he only ever said what Capital wanted to hear. And it's not success for any individual person, but rather, it's a successful marketing operation for Capital and the ruling class in general. Like, we're living in the future the MIT imagineered and marketed, even if they didn't build it because they're moronic fuck-ups, where everything is the cops and we also all live in a glass building funded by pedophiles who never seem to face that many consequences. And, and your that clock baby, is running away. <laughs> that baby's called because society. Because it's a grift. It's mm. a grift. Like, it's, it's a bunch of short cons strung together. And Negroponte will, of course, tell them what they want to hear. And then what they want to hear again. And the world just evolves around it. And, like, all of the people on the top of this, like, it gets steered without any individual person predicting or understanding anything. Mm. Oh boy. So, so what if we had a, a Roomba that was like uh, the, the cops? For more of, for more of, of what Alice just said, tune in for part two of this episode. Yeah, for me going off. <laughs> where instead of exploring um, the sort of deep societal sickness that has produced the MIT Media Lab, and indeed that the MIT Media Lab advertises, we'll just be exploring some of its stupidest ideas. <laughs> so sign up on Patreon. This episode will be coming out uh, in a couple of days. We're doing the MIT Media Lab blooper reel. <laughs> up next, on. the deleted scenes. Well, like, yeah, look, just I mean, the, the, the clock just runs into one of Jeffrey Epstein's model assistants. <laughs> they do, they spent years trying to develop the real life version of Flubber. <laughs> I just love the idea of Jeffrey Epstein having a really horny Ibo, like rather a sexy Ibo. It's like a regular Ibo off the shelf wasn't good enough. No, he had to have a sultry Jessica Rabbit Ibo. <laughs> Awful. Now he gets sued for this from by the estate of Jeffrey Epstein, who were like, he may have been a pedophile, but he was not into bestiality. <laughs> Jessica Rabbit is human, Milo. Get your facts straight. She yeah, just happens also, to be a cartoon. Also, Jeffrey Epstein may have been a pedophile and a sex offender, but he would never be associated with a product like the Sony Ibo. <laughs> All right, uh, so we'll see you on the Patreon, everybody, for part two. Bye.